Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Just a quick one before we start. This is the final show of 2023. We'll be back on January the 11th. Thank you so much for your support throughout the year. Have a very safe and very happy festive season and new year. And we'll speak again in 2024. On with the show. Welcome to the Investor Download. This is the last show of the year, and traditionally we look at the themes for 2024. With me in the studio, studio today, I've got Johanna Kirkland, Chief Investment Officer. Johanna, it's been a busy day for you, so thank you so much for taking time out for us. Now, happy to be here. And we've got Azad Zangana as well, Senior Economist. Welcome, Azad. Thank you. Good to be back. Okay, uh, before we get on to 2024, I just want to start with um, a recap, a brief recap of 2023. Uh, Johanna, from a market's perspective, um, is, is there anything that surprised you positively over the last 12 months? Well, I guess the big surprise has been um, how resilient the US consumer has been. I'm sure as I can talk a bit more about that. Uh, and and ultimately then also the resilience of the equity market this year. But I guess that the, the negative side of that, of course, is that equity market performance for most of the year was very narrow, very concentrated in the, the Super 7, the Magnificent 7, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, so that's probably been the most challenging aspect of this, especially if you're a top-down investor, mm. not focused on stocks, individual stocks. Um, yeah, so that that would be an example of something, a positive surprise, and then a negative surprise, which meant ultimately market was still going up, but in a very concentrated fashion. Has it been a particularly difficult year for an investment point of view? Um, I think from a top-down perspective, um, Obviously, the bond market's been volatile, but you can actually sort of, you know, if you're used to thinking about macro, you can get it wrong, you can get it right. But ultimately, it's been an environment that has lent itself to macro analysis. I think the equity market's been more challenging from a top-down perspective because it was driven by these idiosyncratic stocks as opposed to the rate cycle, for example. Mm. So, so in that sense, it's been a bit more challenging. And Azad, from an economics point of view, have you had any positive surprise over the last 12 months? Some of the headlines have been pretty dour. Yeah, lots of positive surprises. It's uh, it's uh, rare for us to say how wrong we were on some of these forecasts. But uh, just looking back to 12 months ago, we were calling for quite a big recession in the US and that just didn't materialise um, at all. And yeah, as Johanna mentioned, the resilience to the US consumer has been a big part of that um, overall story. Um, but I guess one of the, the negatives has been that interest rates have had to rise by more than we had expected as well. So obviously that had a knock-on impact on, on markets there. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. We mentioned the US there. Let's let's move on to the themes for 2024. Are we expecting a recession in the US anymore, or has that been completely written off? No, we we um, we're not forecasting a recession anymore in the US. We're we're looking for generally a, quite a soft landing, as uh, investors like to call it. Um, growth slowing significantly from here, um, but enough so that inflation comes down to uh, being closer to the Fed's own target, uh, and that you know, as as we've just heard from the Fed, should allow them to cut interest rates you know reasonably quickly uh, next year. Now, I think the challenge around that will be you know how much and how fast. This is all still up for debate. 
And from an inflation perspective, we're heading in the right direction. Is it on course to get down to the Well, it's 2% is what most central banks aim for. Are we on course for that? Yeah, we are on course. Um, some regions and countries are, are further ahead than others. So, for example, Europe uh, currently at 2.4% as, as we're recording, very close to their target. And you know, we're assuming that they'll be the first to cut rates um, next year. But the US is also on track to, to bring that down. Now, I think a lot of the central banks will still be quite concerned by how high core inflation is. So, really, the domestically driven services inflation. And they'd like to see more progress on that. Uh, but I think we are seeing a bit of a turnaround in the labour market, unemployment starting to head higher. So hopefully that these slowdowns that we're calling for should help that inflation come down to, to the levels that they're happy with. Further out, there will still be some questions about uh, medium-term inflation um, because the risks are still quite elevated around these figures. But perhaps that's uh, for next year's podcast. <laughs> and what does that all mean for growth next year? Well, um, as I said, we, we do have slowdowns um, coming through. Um, still positive growth overall for the US, um, slightly negative for the UK, um, pretty flat for Europe overall. I should say, I mean, Europe is probably in recession today. And so they seem to be working their way through the cycle a little bit faster than um, the US. And we should then get a turnaround in the second half of next year. The UK, though, probably a recession in the first half of next year, and then a, a bit of stagflation in the second half before recovery in 2025. And Johanna, how does that feed through into markets and investments for next year? Well, I mean, we agree with Azad's assessment that, you know, that the baseline is, is a soft landing. Um, I think the challenge we have from a market perspective is that's increasingly reflected in market valuations. So, you know, and obviously confirmed by the Fed to some extent yesterday as well. Um, but, you know, I think we still have a window, certainly in the first half of the year, where you could see um, some positive performance from markets. Ultimately, growth will still be positive. Rates are now going to start coming down. That is not a bad environment if you're not expecting recession. I think as the year progresses, things could start to get a little bit more difficult. We obviously have the US election, um, particularly if Trump is running, running, which could cause some concerns. Um, the year-on-year -year effects from inflation might not be quite so helpful. Um, or you might start to see the sort of, you know, rates really starting to bite. So, so I think certainly we need to think about maybe later in 2024, things could get a little bit more difficult. But for now, it's still quite a benign environment. The challenge is that that benign environment is reflected in market valuations. Yeah, I, th I think, as you were saying earlier, was it markets pricing up to six rate cuts next year in the US? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's, there's a lot of uh, optimism around uh, how fast uh, interest rates can come down. Mm. Um, at the moment, we're only forecasting three rate cuts um, for next year. So uh, that's something we need to look at um, again. Um, so potentially some room for disappointment, I guess. Did, does that have a knock-on effect for the bond market? Yes. I mean, you know, look, we're still positive on bonds because um, inflation's moving in the right direction. But we do have some concern that quite a bit is priced in now at the front end. So, you know, right now we're, we're fairly neutral on bonds, having been positive just reflecting how far they've moved. I wouldn't disagree with what Azad's saying. We had gold hitting record highs in recent days as well. And uh, our, our old friend Bitcoin back up around $40,000 mark. Uh, does that give a sense of where investors think next year are going? Are they moving into gold and Bitcoin for safety? I think that Bitcoin is a liquidity play. So it's because basically the market's raining back, it's, it's cutting its rate expectations. So it's, it's just liquidity. Mm. Is gold a safe haven again? Gold tends to do well when real yields are falling. So they're sort of rallying in some senses for interconnected reasons, which is basically an expectation of real yields falling. Um, 
gold is obviously a better safe haven, I would say, than Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. On the decarbonisation side of things, we've had, certainly in the UK, Rishi Sunak's rollback from the 2030 pledge um, to 2035 for electric cars. Is that helping or is it, is that hindering the trade in you know the uh, decarbonisation theme? Or does it, does it not change from the investor's point of view? I mean, I think the reason why we've always gone down the path of transition rather and engagement rather than exclusion is because this trend towards decarbonisation is never going to be a linear one. Uh, you're going to see shifts in investor preferences. You're going to see shifts in regulation. You're going to see geographical differences. You know, the US has a different view to Europe. Uh, and so... Going down an exclusionary path is dangerous because then you're really narrowing your investment universe. I think that by having the approach we have, which is focused much more on engagement and helping companies to transition, it should help us to navigate the theme as it waxes and wanes. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? But I think the key thing is to understand this is not a linear path. It never was going to be because of the rather convenient fact that there's people involved. <laughs> Damn, people always get in the way. Exactly. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website shorters.com forward slash the investor download. Um, well, you mentioned the US elections yourself. What kind of impact might that have if Trump were to get back into office? I think the key thing is, I mean, you know, there's always focus on his kind of protectionist bark. Um, by that, I mean the woof, woof yes. bark, not tree bark. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think the reality is that both both sides of the political spectrum in the US are quite, you know, focused on a race for technological supremacy with China. It's just Trump is maybe noisier mm -hmm. and therefore can create more volatility on that front. So we need to keep an eye on that. But for me, probably the thing I'm more worried about is his approach to fiscal policy. You know, we're already seeing, um, you know, a lot of fiscal spending, even as the unemployment rate fell to new lows. And uh, I think that... The risk with Trump, the first time he was elected, you know, that fiscal spending helped the market. But I think we're getting to the levels now where people would be concerned about the sustainability of the budget deficit, what that means for the long end of the yield curve. Um, I think that, you know, Trump the return, uh, or Trump too, might not be quite as positive for the market from that perspective. And as I did, would that be the same from an economic, economic point of view as well, if Trump came back? Yeah, absolutely. The, the starting point um, for fiscal policy is just nowhere near as good as it was from his uh, first term. So he, he can't simply just go out and spend and cut taxes in the way as he did before. If anything, the first thing he might have to do is actually try to raise some additional revenues and probably cut back on spending. So the Inflation Reduction Act is probably one area that is probably most susceptible given that it is um, pro-decarbonisation, which he's had a negative stance on in the past. And of course, it's, it's a flagship Biden policy. Mm -hmm. um, just moving away from the US uh, briefly to the Middle East and to the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, we haven't had the energy price spikes that we had last winter. How do you see those two situations playing themselves out and in relation to you know, energy prices and commodities? Yeah, I mean, th that was certainly one of the big risks for last year, especially for Europe. You know, Europe having to transition away from uh, Russian energy um, was, was a major challenge and rationing had to be brought in and a lot of price controls and a significant amount um, of fiscal policy as well was used in order to try to cap the cost on households and, and companies. The big risk for this winter was that we could get a repeat of this 
And of course, the war in the Middle East also raised tensions and, and the risks around that. But so far, um, that hasn't materialized, um, thanks to partly good preparation from European governments. But also, I think there's potentially been a bit of leakage in terms of how where they're getting their energy from. Looking ahead, though, the good news is that a lot of the investment that's gone into building out the capacity for Europe to receive LNG imports from the Middle East should be completed next year. So they will be able to secure supply of natural gas from Qatar in particular, uh, and that will hopefully fill their needs going forward. And of course, at the same time, they're also transitioning very quickly to, to a more renewable energy and a more sustainable future. And Yana, are the markets concerned about what's going on in the Middle East uh, with the Russia-Ukraine war at the moment, or is that all settled down now? Well, I think, uh, you know, as Azad was saying, the key issue for, for European equities is the cost of energy. And the news there has been more positive, um, which is a major difference to where we were last year. Mm. So on that front, you know, European valuations look reasonably cheap. And, um, you know, potentially there's upside surprises, mm. given the fact that energy prices are under control. I suppose one big thing that's been going on for the last 12, 14 months is AI, especially with ChatGPT uh, being launched. How, how are you seeing that develop in 2024? It's obviously going to be a major theme going forward, but is that likely to affect markets with, just with the speed at which it's all uh, developing? I think the main impact is at stock level, you know, things like the Super 7. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that's, it's very much a stock stock story. For, for, for AI and ChatGPT to really, you know, in Azad and I's world, we're really focused on what happens to rates. And I'm not sure we're at a stage yet where that trend can really affect the rate profile for 2024. Mm. Yeah, no, I think the, the impact from AI and, and these kind of technologies is going to be very important over the medium term, but we're unlikely to see much of an impact in, in the very near term. From an investment standpoint, I think we will see a bit of a broadening out in terms of the impact, in terms of the type of stocks that are impacted. So, so far, a lot of the concentration has been around the, the creators of this technology. And eventually, we'll move on to those that successfully managed to use it and actually save on costs or drive up productivity gains. But that, that might not start to play out next year. It, it's more of a sort of two to three year time horizon. Okay, great. And just to finish off, how would you sum up the outlook, uh, just a brief outlook for 2024 from an economic point of view? It's going to be pretty rocky. Um, there is going to be a bit of de desynchronization around the world. We're looking for Europe and the UK to come out of their slowdowns first and the US to potentially go into one later in next year. And then separately, China is having its own challenges at the same time. They are trying to control um, a major issue with their housing market, um, perhaps a, an artificial bubble that's been going on there, um, and also navigating a, a slower global uh, environment as well uh, as their exports fall off. So there's going to be quite a lot of idiosyncratic risk out there, and I think hopefully present some opportunities for active investors. And Johanna, from a market's perspective, how would you sum up what you're expecting from 2024? Well, I completely agree about the desynchronization point. We're in a world now where um, policy outcomes are going to vary significantly uh, as a function of, um, you know, the, the latitude different central banks have in the face of inflation, um, differences in approach to fiscal policy, different energy policies. So in general, I think desynchronization is a great theme for 2024, as we've seen also this year. Um, so that's something that I fund fundamentally believe in. And I think bigger picture, you know, we are late cycle. Um, and so it's sort of trying to work out when, you know, how fast that slowdown is, 
how fast the rate cuts might be. That will be the big question for 2024. Jana, thank you so much for your time. And Azad as well. Thanks for joining us. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, please head to schroders.com forward slash insights. And we're endeavouring to record as many of these shows in the studio on video. If you want to watch them in their full unabridged version, uh, then go to Schroder's YouTube channel. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Schroder's podcast at schroders.com. And remember, you can listen, subscribe and review the Investor Download wherever you get your podcasts. New shows drop every Thursday at 5pm UK time. But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. Investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. 